all these entrepreneurs do the 80-20 rule, but they all do it wrong with paid advertising. And so what ends up happening is they put 80% of their time, effort, and resources into building the, the single perfect ad. But what you need mm -hmm. to do is put 80% of your time, effort, and resources into testing what the perfect ad could be, and then 20% into building that. So here's what I mean. back. Welcome to the latest episode of Commerce and Chill. I am Jessica Johnson-Cope. I'm Waleed. Hi, Waleed. Hi, Jessica. How's it going? It's good. It's great. And we have a special treat for everybody in Commerce and Chill land. I told everybody last week, if you're not tuning in this week for this episode, you're going to lose money on your business this week. I'm telling you, if you're not watching this, you're losing money this month. We have a very special guest with us today. We have the man. We have the myth. We have the legend, Mike Allen, all the way from Fort Collins, Colorado, but right in your living room on your computer screen or in your ear. <laughs> Whichever way you're consuming us, or video, or you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, or whatever, Stitcher, whatever other platforms we're on. There's so many of them, I can't even keep up these days, but uh, we welcome everybody. Let me tell you a little everybody. bit about Mike Allen so that you know that you're in for a treat today. Mike Allen is a serial entrepreneur, He's a former business coach. I don't know why he says former because he's still coaching people. He's a marketing subject matter expert, SME. How often do you get a one-on-one -on -one with one of those? He's also the founder of Solo Social Marketing. Say that three times real fast. So, well, I got some questions about that name, but yes, I'm, you're not going to get me to say Solo Social Marketing three times solo fast. Solo Social <laughs> Marketing. Make a note of that. After working with dozens of small business clients, it became clear to Mike that they needed help. <laughs> and he was just the help that they needed because they were putting too much time into their chaotic schedules and not enough time in differentiating their business with a sound marketing strategy. So that's where he comes in. Mike formed Solo Mark Solo Social ah. Marketing. I said three times real fast. Right. Solo Social Marketing to give the little guys and gals the edge over their corporate competitors. He's written numerous articles, been contributing to marketing media content on several online publications, and he's participated and appeared on several podcast and today he's here just for you and you on commerce and chill i like to bring to the camera mike allen come on through mike hey guys thanks That's for having good. me i appreciate it glad oh, it's to a pleasure, have mike. you it's been too long coming good i'm excited so just in case you're wondering what you're going to get out of today's episode, today, Waleed and I are going to talk to Mike from Socials, Solo Social Marketing. <laughs> Three times real fast. So, solo Social Marketing. Solo Social Marketing um, about the best kinds of business relationships and how to create win-win relationships between customers and businesses, especially if you're one of us, the small guy and small gal. Absolutely. And I'm a little biased because uh, Mike and I've had a relationship on Instagram. Um, I don't know how long I'm bad when it comes to these time frames. But About a it's year been now. A while. A year. Jeez, just just under a year because Friday is a one year business anniversary for me, actually. That's right. I remember you mentioned like when yeah. you you started the Instagram not too long after you started the business, like right after. Yeah, within probably 30 days. Yeah. And you posted some slick piece of uh, marketing. I have no idea how it came into my feed. And I was like, click comment 
Um, and we've been rocking since, and it's it's been awesome. And um, that year has led up to today, which is super awesome. But I, I say I'm slightly biased because Mike and I have been sharing some information through the DMs. Um, he's given me a few tips. What? Winning tips. Uh, yeah. No, no. He's given me a few tips, and uh, I've, I've used them over at the Soapbox. JSB can't get none of this yet. Um, and, we, and we've seen some increase in the small um, pieces of marketing that Mike gave me success on. But I'm going to be taking a lot of notes today because I want to put some of this stuff, some more stuff Mike has in practice over at the, uh, at the box. Well, we don't want to monopolize the conversation. So, Mike, tell the people in Commerce and Chill Land what solo social marketing is and why it's important that you do what you do. Cool. So aside from the fact that it's about to get a name change, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> That's good. Just for everyone listening out there, that's good market research, right? When someone can't see your name, give me something to think about for later. Um, Solo Social Marketing is a marketing firm that I started about a year ago. We provide done-for-you services, done-with-you services, and what I like to call tell-you-what-to-do services or consulting for small business owners to help them get the edge over their corporate counterparts and be more competitive in their marketplace. Um, and kind of what I found, the reason the reason this all came together in the win-win relationships is working with so many of these small business owners and micro businesses and entrepreneurs, what ended up happening a lot was either the marketing wasn't getting attended to at all. Like they knew it was important, but they just didn't have the resources and the time to time isn't really a good one, but they didn't put anything into it or they were just getting outspent by their larger corporate counterparts like crazy and thought that what they were doing had no impact whatsoever. So I was like, that's not true. You can be scrappy. There's things that you can do to compete with them and you don't necessarily have to beat them. You just have to win the share of the market that you're trying to get to get to where you want to be. So right. I started this business to help them do that. That was mighty generous of you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't so, think Mike's doing it for free. So No, I mean, even, so many times in what I've noticed in small business is that people always tend to look at it from what's in it for them perspective, True. like a whiff them. And it seems like it wasn't that, like that wasn't your primary motivation. Well, so the way that I look at it, as an entrepreneur, I just, I like doing good business with good people. And what you see a lot when you look at the market is that these really micro businesses are small entrepreneurs. Originally, when I started this company, I was geared mainly towards solos and we quickly outgrew that, but they're the best at what they do. Usually they're technicians. They're the ones that if, if you ever read the book, E-Myth, they're the technician, right? These are the people so that you are like technician. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you ever read the book, E-Myth, I, I, if you haven't read it, I recommend it, but they talk about the technician is, is one of the three personalities in that book. And that basically means that you're really good at delivering the service, right? So if you're a dentist, you're the greatest dentist in your area, but that doesn't matter if no one can come in and use your service. If no one knows who you are, or they don't, your messaging doesn't resonate enough for them to choose you over the competition, then they're not getting the best service either, right? So for me, a win-win is when the best potential or the best possible business gives the like consumer the best possible experience. And that's a win-win. So what you end up having is a bunch of people going to these larger companies that don't give them the best, right? Because they're too deep into their systems and processes, which you do need to have, but you don't need to be married to them, right? And so that's where I think the little guys tend to, to deliver better service. They're more flexible. They prioritize the customer and the client better. And that's why I was so adamant on investing my time into helping them. Oh, that makes total sense. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. And then two, you know, a little tidbit. So you snuck in on us earlier that you do come from an entrepreneurial background from a family business. So did that have any influence 
for you when you were creating it to say, you know, when, when we were running the family business, there, there wasn't a lot of resources or no one out there kind of taking this approach. Did that play any role in it too, Mike? Not, not really just because of the, what that business was, that business was a collection agency and it has a much longer sales cycle. It's B2B. So there's a lot of differences there. Um, right. and I didn't think about that, but it did play other parts and mostly in the logo and the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Got it. So like, I'm, I'm kind of chomping at the bit here. I kind of just want to start, jump, in. jump right in. Like, I don't even want to stick my toe in the water. Yeah, let's do it. So first of all, the, the name alone, solo social marketing. I got it right for the record. Um, it always captured, you know, captured me and made me think because when we first started doing social media over at the soapbox and I started playing with Instagram, it was just me. I had a phone and I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to post. I'm just like, I see people putting videos and pictures up. I'm just going to figure out in this laundromat what we're going to do. So when I, when I see that, that solo part, it really captures me because as you mentioned earlier, a lot of entrepreneurs are out here doing this thing by themselves. And it's tough. And you mentioned it. They're, they're, we're caught up in the day-to-day activities and, and marketing becomes like this. It's, 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 it's low on the triage list. Like there, there's gunshot wound up here and then there's like paper cut. And marketing sometimes is around that paper cut area. You're just like, yeah, I'll get a Band-Aid later. I, I got to deal with this other stuff first. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is some, some – when it comes to social – there's, there's so many platforms out there and like businesses just don't don't know where the heck to start. What, what would you guide someone, whether they're in business or they're about to start a business? Like there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter, there's, there's TikTok. There'll probably be Yik Yak next week and whatever, whatever. What should they start with? Like what, what, what do you see from your experience working with small businesses to, to get on that road? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there, there's a lot of it depends in there. So I'm going to try to give you the best answer possible. If you guys are small, solo, and scrappy, what you need to understand about solo or what you need to understand about social media is really like where you fit in on the shelf for all those businesses right. in your market. So if, for example, uh, you need to know this kind of, this kind of gets into something I'm sure we're gonna talk about later, but one of the foundational things that you have to understand to do any type of marketing whatsoever is a deep, deep understanding of your ideal client avatar, right? So like you right. need to know who you're trying to communicate with, who you're trying to talk to in your market. And in this case, it becomes very important. Where are they and where are they active? So for example, let's take Facebook because everyone's very familiar with it. Facebook Mm -hmm. now has a, there's a lot of people still on it, right? I'm a millennial. There's a lot of millennials on Facebook. I'm on there simply just because I have to run ads for clients and check on pages and stuff like that. I'm never on Facebook aside from business, right? So if you're trying to market to me on Facebook, I'm not really, even though I'm on there, I'm not active on there. So you need to not only know where I am, but where I'm active, right? So that's, part one, there's also certain platforms that are better geared for certain things. So for example, you have what are called seeker platforms and you have what are called Mm -hmm. uh, engagement platforms. So engagement would be like a Facebook or a Twitter, right? You're primarily going there to engage with other people. Right. The other seeker platforms are like search engines, right? This would be Google, YouTube, and people are going there to seek out specific content, right? So you might go there to search for a video of like five ways to improve my marketing this week or something. I'm going there to seek that out. And that's the big difference. Instagram's interesting because it's kind of a hybrid, right? People will go there to engage. You and I will go there to talk shop a little bit, or but we'll also go yep. there to seek out information. You know what I mean? Totally. So it's uniquely advantageous to some businesses assuming that your ideal client lives on that platform. I also think there's something to be said for where your skill set is and where you're good. 
but that has to come after the other things. Got it. Uh, once you've picked a platform, then there's like some small things I think you need to do to, to win that platform or grow it a lot. And some of those are what not to do, right? So in any strategy you have, here's the things I'm going to do, but it's also very important to focus on what you're not going to do. And for me, I think it's really important outlining that up front because a lot of people go into social media wanting to make tons of money off social media, but they won't be on the right platform. They won't be where their avatar is. They won't know the strategy of how to do that. They won't be using the right channel. There's a, there's a lot of issues for that to happen that way, right? So you need to have a strategy. You need to have one person responsible for it, which is different than one person just doing it, right? You can have multiple people contributing to it, but someone has to have responsibility over it. Otherwise, no one does if everyone does, right? Right. So that's, that's kind of how you, you need to align the platforms with your goals. You need to align it with where your ideal client is and where your skill set is. That's my best advice for choosing the platform itself. Right. Knowing where your client, customer, wherever they're living, whatever they're consuming, figuring that out and then getting your, your business service on that platform to get your product or your service in front of them on that particular platform that they're consuming content on. I love just how you say when the platform gorilla it, right? Because when you talk to some some entrepreneurs or some small business owners, they want to be everywhere and that's just not wise. So you pick your you pick your one and then you go boss to the wall and gorilla it. Yeah. It. I think I you're like totally that. right. And there's a difference too between having a platform and being super active on it. So some of those businesses that need to have a presence or just want to take their name. So for example, you might not want to be on Instagram but you might not want anyone else taking the soapbox on Instagram or something like that as your handle, right? Yep. So I right. recommend that you guys claim these things, but if like your marketing strategy, you wanna put into it what you're most likely to get out of it. So where I'm gonna invest in my marketing is gonna be where I think there's a likeliness in my social media for me to get what I'm looking for out of it. And I'm gonna adjust my expectations accordingly, right? So like if I'm not gonna make millions off social media, okay, well, what can I get off social media and what platform is gonna get me that, you know? So Mike, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Sorry, cut you off, Jess. Okay. It's cool. So. We're talking about, you mentioned, you know, choose one, find where your avatar is. So I'm going to say, I'm a fitness coach and I got a fitness business. What platform would you recommend for me? Because I have no idea which one to start on. Which one would you suggest that I start on? Being I have a fitness business, we get super specific. You need to be on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, in my opinion. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to roll a dice and gamble here. Are you saying it because it, it's more of a visual with the, with images and video? Uh, somewhat. So one is the, okay. it, so typically I would do a lot more digging before that answer. So assuming that you have a regular clientele and they're at a normal appropriate age and not like elderly aging population or something like that, where they might not be on that platform. So assuming yeah, yeah. this they're, is fairly normal. Active. Yeah. They're kind of young, middle-aged. They're not geriatric. Like, yeah, I'm, exactly. Like me. I, I'm, not geriatric I, like me. <laughs> so those platforms are, you have people in those platforms that are across all those age groups. So your your ideal client's going to be on every one of those platforms. Some of those, like Facebook, I said, you need just because you need to be able to run ads and you want right. to run ads on Facebook and you want to at least have that option. Uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok, because those places you can still get organic reach and it makes sense for the avatar. And that's why I chose those three. And of okay. course, the video visual element, a lot of them are showing exercises or teaching techniques or something like that. And we could talk about okay. what's wrong with the content in that industry necessarily, but they do need to be on those three platforms, I think. All right. Awesome. 
appreciate you. Let me put you on the spot. You were going to say, Jess, I cut you off. No, no, no. So you talk about a strategy or somebody with a marketing plan, right? And we can very, we very easily I have suck team that. members come in and they're like, well, my specialty is this. And we're like, we'll make a plan. And then they're always like, they give me three bullet points and they'll be like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm what like, what tips do you have for the solopreneur trying to c- develop a marketing plan? Okay. So there's the big five that you need to start with. These are five things that you can't compromise when building a marketing plan. The first one we've already covered, that's the ideal client. So this is, you always hear marketing about like putting the right thing in front of the right person at the right time. This is the right person, right? So this is, and let's not confuse the two for anyone listening. Like there's a difference between your ideal client your target market and your market. Your market is anyone that could buy that product or service from you. Your target market is people that are more likely to do that, but your ideal client is people that are perfect for you. So if this was a gym, the target market might be like, Julie brought in her aunt and her aunt never left, but she's not the ideal client for you. She's just a customer mm-hmm. now. You know, She's an okay. imperfect fit that made their way into your business. And of course you're gonna take great care of them like any client, but they're not ideal. And you're, you're building the ideal avatar here. Then is the buyer's journey. So this is the path, right? So the right person on the right path. We need, to, we need to give them opportunities to buy from you and you need to give them a structure to follow for that to happen. And that's what a buyer's journey is. Think of this as their version of a funnel, right? So if anyone's ever built a funnel, you put up an ad and it went to a landing page and they opted in. And Think of that experience from their end and that's the buyer's journey. Like I'm unaware of you. Now I know who you are. Now I'm right. interacting with you. Now I'm giving you my information in exchange for more value. And then after that, the third one is offers. And this is the right opportunity, right? So this is putting the right thing in front of them. And the reason why this is so important is because when things aren't selling, this is usually the number one reason why. So if you have an offer that you put out and for whatever reason, the market's not buying it, say it's your Black Friday sale or something, it's either going to be almost always your offer, next your messaging, and then third, but very rare would be a targeting issue. So you need to have those three and then you need to have strong messaging because that's the right motivation, right? That's what compels them to take action. And then you need a consistent execution so you can get in front of them at the right time. Because you might be on Instagram the day after I post that wall and you might have never seen that. But if I'm posting consistently, True. I can get that in front of you at the time where you're ready to buy and in the right place in your buyer's journey. So ideal client avatar, buyer's journey, great offers, strong messaging, and a consistent execution strategy. The high five. Yeah. It's all right there. See, you just, you branded that for me. I didn't even have something for it. I was like trying to come up with an acronym or something. <laughs> Mm-mm, it's the marketing high five. The marketing high five. Yeah, you could just PayPal me the 3% royalties yeah. <laughs> on that mic. Don't worry, we'll talk about that. Jessica's jumping off this call to trademark that right now, you know. <laughs> so you mentioned the consistent execution, right? Yeah. And that's where a lot of people get tripped up. It's tough. Right? It, it, whether it's consistent execu- execution when it comes to marketing, consistent execution when it comes to sales. I, I, we sometimes have a discipline I- issue, especially with the number of distractions and um, imagery that we see on social. So what tips and advice do you have for someone once they have their marketing plan to, and to help them move closer to consistent execution? That's another good question. And I actually... I've, I've struggled with this for a couple of years because I'm very disciplined. So this has never been an issue for me usually, but I've worked with many clients where this has been a problem. And here's what I found works best for most people. A, you need to have a marketing calendar. Matter of fact, if you're listening to this and you don't have one, email me at mike at solosocialmarketing.com and I'll give you one. But you need to have a documentation of your strategy. So you know, like every Monday, this social post goes out. Every Friday, this 
thing goes up. You know, every Tuesday we do the podcast or whatever, whatever that process is needs to be documented. And then once it's documented, doesn't mean it'll get done. So how you get it done is two ways for two different personalities. If you're a routine person, you build it into your routine. So for me, I get up at 4 a.m. every day. I work out around 10 every day. I have a routine and I make sure that my marketing stuff fits into that routine for the days of the week that I do it. Or if you are one of those people where routine doesn't help you, then what you need to do is set that marketing calendar as your home screen every time you open your internet, because it's the first thing that you'll engage with every single morning. You have no excuse not to do it. And the people that I've had do that have done a lot better than anyone else. Some of them have required a bit of handholding. I will say like, I've had some people text me every night for 30 days straight that they did their marketing that day. And then we kind mm-hmm. of built that habit that way and, and continued it. So you might need an accountability buddy here too, if you don't have one. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. And I was just, I can't remember what I was, I was reading something and I can't remember who the gentleman is. Um, he's a bald headed guy. I can't remember his name, but I don't want to say he's like. He's a guy, tall, kind of short. Yeah. Fat, kind, kind of slim. Fat, kind of slim. Yeah, no, oh. but he, he spoke about what he said and it resonated with me is, and, it, and when you said it, it, it hit me again is that for us to do, for us to be successful at some things or building the habit, we should put them in front of us. And, he, you know, he used the example of, um, he wouldn't, he like, he didn't floss his teeth enough. So he put the floss where he would see it every time when he went in the bathroom or when he got up in the morning. And now his dentist is like, Hey, you're flossing too much. But he relates that to when it's in front of you. You're t- you tend to interact with it or do it more. So you saying putting the marketing plan as the home screen, I think that like that's awesome. Or you know, it's some you have an accountability buddy, so it's constantly in front of you. You're texting, and it keeps you it keeps you accountable with someone else as well as yourself. So it, that totally hit home. Yeah, and it forces you to make a decision too, right? Because you have to choose to close out of that marketing calendar and not do that task now. You're given a lot of tidbits here and a, a lot of gems so i'm trying to make notes so if we're looking down don't think we're ignoring you because i'm my pen is over here smoking up this piece of paper here jess is out of control with her notes and yeah, uh, jess, jess is a, putting me to shame uh, over there <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I, I got i got some some nuggets no i mean me, like so. that's more notes than i've ever taken in my entire life on something <laughs> like yeah I'm kind of, I'm kind of, she's really good at it. So, uh, but they say you, you married a person that compliments you. So right. she's totally way better than me than that. So why are you trying to figure out what your question is? Right. The name of this podcast is commerce and chill. So we talk about the business, but we also talk about the relaxed, um, not so nine to five piece of it. And you were telling me how you have the, the luxury of working with your wife. Do you want to give us a little, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, my wife, it, she's so much smarter than me. It's not even funny. She's an incredible person. But I, I met her at work when I was doing business consulting. I had an opportunity to do that for another organization a couple of years ago. And I met her there. And we got married after that. But we worked together there. And we were both on leadership. And then when I started this business, uh, actually, the company that I left laid her off on right after her maternity leave, which I knew was going to happen. So she came to work for me in my business right as it started. So here we are with a new one like brand new newborn uh with both not having jobs and starting a business venture for the first time during a pandemic really fun but yeah so uh we worked together there for a little bit collaboratively on lt we were both coaches as well and then she came Mm -hmm. to work directly for me in my business when it started since then she took a job that's like a little bit of a better fit for her long term and i have an outsourced infrastructure that i can use if i need to cover those things right so it it hasn't really been that big of a difference there. And then we do our podcast together, which is called 
barbells, beers, and Benjamins. And we talk about business specifically for fitness, uh, just because that's an industry that we're both very familiar with and our prior businesses were from there. So we talk a lot about that. And then uh, that's, that's it as of now. That's all we've done together so far. Well, that's a lot. Wait, you know, you work together, you got married, you had a baby in the pandemic. You, she got another job. You ha still have a podcast together. That sounds like the ultimate commerce and chill. Oh, yeah. well, there was a, a lot of commerce a, and a lot of chilling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But, you know, roll, and, I, and you know, I must give you a lot of credit. And um, people talk about the pandemic. And let, let's make no mistake, it, it was something bad. And I totally want to separate the two when we talk about this particular topic. Because sure. there people got sick, people died. But looking at it from a pure business aspect, in the business arena, I heard so many people just painting negative pictures like, oh, you know, my business this or it's not a good time. And then to hear you say, we started a business in the middle of a pandemic, which I always think it's, it's when people are going one direction what's really going on over here? Maybe there's always opportunity in everything. So to hear you say you started in the pandemic, you know, you, you grew the family and then Madison came and started working with the business to, to hear that is so refreshing and positive to hear that people are doing good and great things with business during these down, during the down economic times when COVID was at its peak. Right. Or as Jay Green said, is everybody, if everyone is driving defensively, who's driving an offense. Right. And from what you told us off camera, you were able to score and score really big during the pandemic. Right. So talk to us very briefly about how you were able to leverage marketing and your marketing know-how to not only grow your business, but to help other businesses survive the pandemic. So I think with my business in particular, so you guys have to know that I started this in like three days. So I quit the job that I was at because I was really unhappy there, had no plan whatsoever. Three days later, I decided I know marketing. I know small business. I'm going to start a marketing firm. Had no clue what I was doing, right? Aside from like basic business knowledge and marketing knowledge and sales and all that stuff, I did know that. And I just kind of launched it, closed a client in a week. Granted, that was a contact I'd already had. Um, or like already knew of me, they, they were already familiar with me. And since then it's kind of just spiraled, it's picked up. But I think the growth part of that question is really important. And I think like, mm -hmm. if you want to grow a business in any setting, whether it be a pandemic or anywhere, you have to have a fundamental understanding of how to grow a business. And I think that piece is missing for a lot of people. I think they just think that's acquisition. And there's a lot more to it than that. There's actually, I guess I'll just explain it really quick. There's three parts. There's three ways, right? So acquisitions, one. And then there's average purchase frequency or average purchase value. And then there's frequency. So getting, getting people to buy from you for the first time, getting them to buy more of what you have and getting them to repeat that purchase at a more consistent cadence. So what I've done basically with everything that we do and with my own business is I built into the path all of those pieces. So there's an acquisition channel. And then I also have a way of like maximizing the value of each person that comes in. So I, for example, I had a client that started with me at about... $900 and that client now pays us $5,000 a month. And the, the contract's different now too, right? So now I have opportunities to earn even more out of that by added bonuses on top of that. So what you have to do is build your buyer's journeys in ways that create opportunities for repeat purchases, upsells, cross-sells, ascension, all that stuff and have acquisition in place. That's the key. And the pandemic to me didn't really matter outside of the fact that like it obviously 
the illness that it caused. But from a business standpoint, right. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew that a lot of people were going to stop working as hard. And I knew that was going to be at my advantage. A good example of that is when the pandemic first hit, you saw this huge swing of small businesses pull all their money out of Facebook, right? People stopped yep. running Facebook advertising. So you know what happened? All of a sudden, my cost per lead shot way down. Went down, right. Yeah. You're now getting I'm, more yeah. frequency in front of yeah. people more because it's less competition yeah. now. Yeah, I'm getting your your prospects at a discount now. That's what's happening. So what did what okay. did I tell everyone to do? Put more money in. Throw as much as you can in. You know, it's like Double it's down. like the stock market. You you need to know to buy and sell at the right times. It's the same thing with things like that. You need to know when right. to go in and when to pull out, you know? Right, that totally makes and sense. And one of the ways that you can know is to contact Mike Allen and have a... What? I'm about to... Like, I'm not I'm ready to get off the, I'm ready to get off this podcast. And like, I need to... to, to we need to get Mike but a contract. But when you finish listening or watching this episode, make sure that you follow up with Mike. You connect with him on social, uh, that you reach out to him and see if you can get a consultation. Because if what he if he's dropping these uh, knowledge nuggets and you're really getting something from them, don't leave here the same way you came. Make sure that you um, that you capitalize on that opportunity. Yeah. And so, Mike, not to. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. I was just going to remind everyone that, as I said earlier, if you guys just email in, put in the subject line, commerce and chill, just so I know where it's coming from. I'm happy to send you guys that marketing calendar template too. We, we have that tool. We use it with all our clients. I'll duplicate it and send it to you. So, and yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that with everyone, Mike. Of course. Appreciate that. So Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot. That client that you, you were talking about that went from 900 bucks a month to $5,000 a month spend. Um, I'm thinking I need to come be your assistant with numbers like that. Um, that's a hell of an increase. Um, where did you, where did you help them focus more to help them grow during those times, you know, with the, um, you know, with ads or whatever you were encouraging them or you had planned out in the marketing for them to grow, to grow. And you know, how much did they grow, you know, with, with, with your lead, with your guidance and things through the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so growth, I think they're up about maybe, maybe 15, 20%, something like that since we started working together. That's good. Um, it's been, actually, this has been one of my harder clients. If I'm being entirely honest with you, we've, we've ran into a lot of problems. One of the biggest things with them is that they had no marketing infrastructure at all. So a lot of the first Mm. couple of months of working with that particular client was, well, we got to build funnels because you have none. And they right. had, and, and things like that, right? Like you're doing a launch of a new product. We got to l- do a launch. You know, you don't know how to do one. Okay, we got it. So I actually came on with that client as a consultant and they had a tiny team around them. And so this was a, a more fractional CMO type arrangement at first. And I could okay. tell very early on that the team they had were great people with great intentions and they just didn't have the skill set at that point. And it wasn't something that I could show them in that short of time. It, basically, the right. business didn't have the financial resources to accommodate that type of arrangement. So what we did is take those people out of the mix and just outsource everything directly to us. And that's how we went mm-hmm. from 900 to done for you everything. And now because we're sense. doing the work too, there there's a lot more built into there in terms of like what I can be compensated for out of that client. Right. But it also frees them up now more to do some other things now that you're taking that creative piece off their back and the, the marketing piece. So now you can, you can fine tune it, churn things out a little faster. There's less breakdown in communication from you trying to convey that message to their team and then their team creating or doing what you 
plant it in them or you provide them with it and then they bring it back to you and you're like, well, you know, change this or tweak it back. This is kind of not exactly how we need it to be. So I'm sure that that made a big difference in it where you're working on it directly versus them doing it in-house. Under yeah. Your guidance. And also just what you're able to get done is a lot faster. I mean, assuming they so can afford faster. you, then what you can get done, right. you can go from here to here just incredibly fast comparatively. You know, things never move as fast as you want them to in business in general. We all know that. But with him, it was like, if, if that business needed a landing page, it was like a month long project. Whereas we can put up a couple of those for them in a month, no problem. And we can build an affiliate program for them like we did. So their, their marketing is heavily relational. They have a lot of partnerships and that's a big staple of their marketing, but they didn't really have ways to leverage that really well. So before we start really complicating things, we did start to invest in paid advertising, do all that. What we really need to do is like fix the current problem around the issue that you already have, which is you have this channel that's working for you, but you're, it's not optimized. It's far from optimized. So let's get something out of what you already have that's working before you even try to mess with something else because you're not even close to reaping the full benefits of it. Got it. No, it totally makes sense. So, Mike, you, you, you talked about something I want to touch on real quick because yeah. I, I have some colleagues who are in business and this is like one of my pet peeves and like I'm getting goosebumps, like my hair in the back of my neck is starting to stand up where they'll, they have XYZ business at gmail.com. When you hear that or you see that as as a, a marketing expert and someone comes to you and they're like, yeah, you're like, oh, give me, send me your, your business email. And it's it's XYZ business at gmail.com. Like what runs through your mind when you see that or hear that? This is a very interesting question because I just had something like this kind of happen. But I, to me, what I see when that happens and I have colleagues like this, too. I have trouble taking them seriously. And I think that's the same issue that you're going to run into in your market. Right. Because if your competitor has dawn at dawn's woodwork.com and yours mm -hmm. is you know stephanie at gmail.com it's like i'm never gonna go to that person you know i i'm questioning if you're legitimate and it costs what twenty dollars to get your domain it costs six bucks a month to have google workspace or something like this is not no a no, no it doesn't cost it's an investment it's an investment it's not a cost it's an that's oh, a it's really an good correction jessica that's actually really important because that's the exact same thing as your personnel and your marketing and your business mm -hmm. coaching, all those things are investments back into your business, not necessarily costs. Great. So I'm glad we're on the same page with that because it drives me crazy all the time. And like, I'll even see vehicles like, uh, like landscapers or plumbers or, or, you know, they have their vehicles wrapped professionally and they look sharp. And then I'm like, Hey, maybe I should contact them. Cause you know, we need some work done at the, at the building or whatever. And then I look and I'm like, oh, their email is like my hmm. first plumbing company at, at Gmail. Gmail. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, they just at like, AOL yeah, oh, AOL. That's like a real throwback. Um, but the other That's one you right. mentioned was landing pages. And I have a couple of colleagues like they'll. I'm like, you don't have a website. Can you just get the domain and like do something at least like park something there? Just put a nice photo or something with your address. And they're just like, no, nah, I got a, I got a Facebook page or I got a Facebook profile. Like I don't need, I don't need a website, but you mentioned landing pages and, and I've always been, I've been kind of playing with them and I'm, I'm working on an ad now for the soapbox because we, we've started doing some, we're doing sneaker cleaning for a while, but we're now we're starting to set up where people can, sh we had a few people ship their sneakers to us out the blue and we're like, Hmm, why aren't we doing this? You know, in, in other States, and you said landing pages. And could you could you touch on some, you know, the the advantages or the and the importance of a small business having landing page in conjunction 
with their website? And I think some people get the two mixed and don't understand the purpose of each one. Another awesome question. This is a really easy one and it's a great one to talk about. Your, your website and a landing page have completely different purposes. So your homepage, for example, think of your homepage as like a choose your own journey based on awareness of where the person is, right? So if I go mm-hmm. right now to, this, to your website, maybe I've never heard of your business, right? So that is a zero awareness. Like I have to learn about the brand. I have to learn about what you do. I have to figure out like, maybe I just stumbled there. I don't even know why I'm there. But they're Coca-Cola. Everyone's heard of Coca-Cola, right? So like that, what they build on their homepage is going to be very different than what you put on yours. So your homepage is level of awareness. When someone's going to a landing page, they had to get there somehow. So that there's not a missing level of awareness. Usually they came there from an ad or they came there from a link or they came there from a mm-hmm. partnership affiliate or something. They're there for a reason. So homepage and newsletters are two areas where you can have more than one call to action to let people take the desired action that aligns with where they are in their buyer's journey. A landing page is where you've built the journey and inserted that person right where you want them in the funnel. So this is like, if I want you to buy my course on lead generation, I don't have one, I'm just using this example. If I wanna sell you my lead generation course, I'm not gonna send you to my homepage because the homepage isn't selling you my lead generation course. I'm gonna send you to a sales page, which is a form of a landing page, Typically, squeeze pages and landing pages will be opt-ins with lead magnets and sales pages will be where you're selling the product, usually. So if I'm going to go to that sales page, everything on that sales page is going to be there to capture my attention, motivate me to take action to buy this product and get working with you. If it's a lead magnet, everything there is going to be selling me on opting into whatever that lead magnet offer is. So they're just different. Right. And I think it was super important for, you know, the community to to share that piece and, and, let them know what the, to let them know what the purpose of each one is. Cause at times, listen, I'm guilty of it in my, myself. Like I'll run an ad and then I'm like, I put a link to the website and then I'm like, is that really, is, a, is there a great offer there or the call of action? I'm like, they're just going to go to the website and then they're going to get lost. Like what, what am I really doing here versus having, you know, this, this landing page where when they go there, it's specifically designed to go with that ad. So whatever the call to action is in that ad, like, oh, you know, get this coupon to, you know, get 20% off your laundry. When they go to that landing page, it's geared just for that coupon to talk about why they should use a service, why you're going to do 20%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're they're serving two totally different purposes. It's like the difference between going, using your GPS to end up in the McDonald's parking lot versus using a GPS to land, to end up, in the ordering line at McDonald's. Totally. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there's another element of this too, which is like the consistency. So if I'm mm-hmm. like opting into this offer on a Facebook ad, and then I go to this landing page and it's your homepage and not a landing page. And they're completely different. You were talking to me about this over here. It had this branding and this coloring. Well, the landing page should look the same. So I know I'm in the right spot. You, no one should ever land somewhere and question if they're in the right place for the right thing. That's how you know if you've done it well or not. Yeah. I'm super guilty of that. Like, we had an ad one time, crazy clicks. I mean, this ad probably had one at one point like 17,000 clicks. And I was like, oh, I'm about to get paid. But my dumb behind, when they clicked to the link, it went straight to the order page. So there was, n- and I was like, why is the conversion so low? Because there was nothing in between them clicking on the ad to, to like, I don't want to say entice them, but to feed them 
more about what we're doing, how we do, how we do it, what are the different price levels. It was like, you click the ad, now make an order. Like, I didn't even try and wine and dine them on a date. I was like, get in the car, we're going home. Like, that was it. Yeah. Like, I took first date, I took them home. I didn't even take them out to dinner or anything. Like, it, it totally, it was a total fail. I would imagine I you had at the a doorstep. pretty high bounce rate on that page. It, I'm sure we did. Like, off the top of my head, I have no idea. I was just so excited when I saw all the clicks. I was just like, Well, wow, in that case, you could I'm, theoretically I'm just redo the landing page and, and keep that out or duplicate that ad with a new landing page, right? Yeah. Well, that that's what we need to do. Okay. Because the ad just went straight to make an order. And I was yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> here comes 10,000 orders. Yeah. Boy, I mean, I you can sometimes, I wouldn't usually recommend that approach. I've seen it done a couple times successfully, but you have to, yes. the audience temperature matters a lot. And Mm-hmm. just don't do it guys just just don't do it like it's <laughs> it's more complicated for me to explain how to do that well or appropriately than just, it is worth doing just, just don't, don't do, do it. it i think we may have one or two questions before we yeah go. we got a couple questions that came in cool. on uh on ig let me just bring them up real quick from well we got one first i'll start with it's their question was when they go to do facebook ads when you first create it it asks you for the ad type and this one kicks my butt too. It's at least, I think, six or seven different. And some are kind of easy to rule out, like uh, app downloads or like there's brand awareness, there's traffic. Small business just creating an ad and it, they, they're trying to get some conversion. Let's say it's a brick and mortar store um, and they have a website. So they take orders through e-com and they have a brick and mortar and they want to run some ads to make more sales. Which one of those ad types should they probably focus on a little more? And I, I know it's a little, without all the details, it's a little tough. But, you know, what what would you say probably the top two or maybe top three that they should focus on? Yeah, sure. Um, to your point earlier, it definitely depends on the strategy. But the the kind of cliffs on that are if you're, if you're like entirely commerce, like if you have a Shopify store or something and you're pushing product online, then you're probably going to go for conversion. And the reason I say, okay. and this has changed over the years and with Facebook making a lot of recent changes, this may change again. Like by the time you hear this, there may be some updates, but over the last couple of years, I found it used to be where if you didn't have enough conversions, Facebook didn't have enough data. And that's always kind of been the consensus. But with testing, I found that always picking the one that aligns with what I actually want gets me the best results. So if I want conversions, pick conversions, even if you don't have enough data, I'm telling you, I've ran... So the consensus is usually to start running traffic ads to that landing page. So it's just traffic, but I have found that the traffic is not very good. So if you're online entirely that way, now, if you have a brick and mortar and you have a, like a team that follows up. So you mentioned fitness earlier, like this is really common practice for them, but this, Mm -hmm. as long as you have a sales team that can do the follow-ups, then lead ads are great because they live right inside Facebook and they take the information from the profile and input it in, but you have to follow up and you have to do a good job of follow up probably eight to 12 over the course of 30 days to get conversions usually is what you're looking at. Right. So lead ads are great for that. Uh, and you can you can connect those to your autoresponder, get them right in there. And that's a great way to just build your list too. And you can download them too. Um, and then if, if neither of those are working for you, you can do engagement if it's like a blog post and that's your goal. I haven't been using engagement ads very much lately on Facebook. Um, pretty much we've been running mostly lead ads or conversion ads, occasional traffic ads. If there's very little data on that but even those i'm just starting to run more conversion ads lately so at the campaign level you're probably looking at 
traffic, leads, or conversions. If it's going right to a sales page, probably you want to prioritize conversions. If it's leads, I would run it as a lead ad in Facebook instead of just sending it to a landing page, unless you're really skilled with your landing pages and stuff like that and automate the whole thing. Right. And, you know, it's easy for you to tweak. I'm going for conversions on my next one. Freak this. Yeah, put, right. put it as conversions. Uh, cool. So we got another one came in from Instagram. This is from, I know who this is, so I'm going to put him on blast. This is from a man, Arm Brewster. What's that, Jan? Oh, he's over. I don't know. He's either in Italy or Germany right now. This dude is all over the place. I, every time I look in his stories, he's doing something with his feet kicked up, and he's he's crushing it out there on Fiverr, creating content for people. Right on, man. Keep crushing but, it. Yeah, he's so he's recently started, uh, I'd say probably maybe a year and a half, two years. He started his own um, content creation business. He started out on Fiverr. So his question is, it, he goes right to the punch too. Where do I start? Build organic relationships with people on IG slash Twitter or run paid ads? You run paid ads. But you run Nothing it well. Said. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about paid ads. It's not... So I, I, can we take a minute to talk about this? Is this okay, guys? Go for it. Okay. Take as much time as you want. This is, this is super valuable, paid ads. So with the paid ads, like all these entrepreneurs do the 80-20 rule, but they all do it wrong with paid advertising. And so what ends up happening is they put 80% of their time, effort, and resources into building the, the single perfect ad. But what you need mm -hmm. to do is put 80% of your time, effort, and resources into testing what the perfect ad could be, and then 20% into building that. So here's what I mean. And uh, this is just, uh, if you want to learn more about this, I would look up Rudy Maurer, I think is his name, because that's where I sparked this idea from. But you take all of your messages, right? So the first thing that they're going to see is going to be your hook. And when you write that right. hook out, right, maybe it's, if this is fitness, it might be lose weight or get stronger, you know, whatever it is that they want, the outcome that they're looking for, you're going to build that into a hook or a headline. Uh, CoSchedule.com has a great headline analyzer that you can use to help you with that. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to make that my image. I'm going to make that my headline. I'm going to make that sentence or that statement my every single place that they see is going to have that line. And I'm going to do all 15 or 20 of them I have under one campaign. And I'm going to see what the results are. And over the next three days, I'm going to spend $100 testing those. And what you'll see is quickly, you'll see a couple that are way behind. You could turn those off, right? Yep. And you'll have probably a top three that win. And these are stupid ads, right? They're just the messaging. But this is how you learn what's important to your market and what, what wins, right? You can talk to them with the same thing over and over again if this works. So now you take the top three and you take those top three and you go, all right, I'm going to give this one three different visuals, this one three different visuals, and this one three different visuals. You run another ad and test that. And then you take the top two of those and A, B them against each other and that becomes your final campaign. So you need to spend yeah. a little bit more time upfront testing things and experimenting so that you are not guessing as much because all marketing is, is your best estimation of what's most likely to work for your market until it's been confirmed. And you have right. to do the digging. This is like super interesting that you, you brought that up because I was reading about it and I can't remember whose article I was reading and then some white paper. And there's a couple of platforms that I've seen recently launched, you know, within a year where their, their SaaS product does exactly that. Like you, 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 you create the ad, and their goal is exactly what you said, run a bunch of different creatives with the same message. And then you see which messages hit home first. Then they take those top ones and they combine all the elements of those. And then those become like your two and you AB test them. And then you, whichever one is the top performing out of that, then you just put it out there and then you throw the, the money in behind it. Is that like and for AI? The life of me, I, 
Yeah, I can't remember the name of this platform that I, I looked at it for a hot minute and I, was, I demoed it and I was just like, yeah. And it was like, this was super early, probably like, I don't know, two years ago. Um, and I see more and more of them out there now. But the white paper that I was reading and the article I was reading, and it, they they spoke so highly of it where it's, they didn't say the 80-20 rule like you did, but they had the same principle where create a bunch of ads in the beginning and then let them all run. And then the ones that are performing, pull those out and then start working with those and fine tune them because those are the better performing ones to reach the ideal client. That um, And they're going to end up converting more where most people are just spending all this money running a bunch of different ads versus fine tuning a couple of them and killing the ones that aren't doing well super fast. They're just running a whole bunch and letting them run long. And I'm guilty of it too. I've run like four or five at a time and I'm just like, yeah, like, hey, I'm doing the right thing. And now I'm like, oh, hell no. Well, the yeah. problem with that is it hurts your scalability, right? So you, can, you can't scale and, and those ads wallet. that aren't winning because you can't put more money into them. You know, but if you find right. one that wins, you can duplicate it at a higher budget and scale that ad forever. As long as your ROI is still good on it, you could, you could duplicate it. that ad as often as you want. Just keep it running for as long as you want. But I think the thing about paid advertising is exactly that is when a business figures that piece out or, or dials that in, and I don't really care how hard that is for you to do, by the way, like, I think you should set a marketing budget to spend on advertising. I think you should spend it regardless. Cause I think you need to condition yourself to reinvest into your marketing. You have to do that right. if you want to grow. And remember, there's a difference between growing and scaling. Growing is just growing. Scaling is growing without increasing your resources significantly. So if they want to scale eventually, they need an acquisition strategy that aligns with that. Now, paid advertising is a numbers game primarily. So like if you're converting 10%, if you get 100 leads from Facebook, you convert 10% of them, that's pretty good. You know, you're not going to get 90% conversion rates like you would on referrals. But that's why you have right. paid advertising and referrals and joint ventures and these things on your plate. So that you kind of have a portfolio like you would if you were an investor, right? Just that portfolio is in your marketing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and when you say that, I almost, I feel like, you know, we're, we started talking about small businesses and them having the advantage to compete against the, the bigger guys because they have more money, they have more resources, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like, and not even I feel, like I know that the small business, and when I say small right now, I'm really thinking about a brick and mortar. They, I think they have a huge opportunity. And I, I've seen some case studies and, and heard some stories about, they have a huge opportunity with ads because you're local, you're a brick and mortar, and I'm going to rule out, you know, that they sell online. We're saying that yeah. somebody has to physically walk into their location yeah, for them to ring that register. Mile radius type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like on social, to, for, in that model, they can really crush it because you don't have to, your, your dollars can be laser focused on who you're targeting because you're like three to five mile radius, as you said, person is this age. Um, you know, this type has this type of interest and you can really, you know, take that dollar and really make it turn into something for you on the ROI side. Yeah. And depending on where you are, I mean, for you guys, you might need to do that. But for a lot of these guys, you, you probably don't even need to do any detail targeting at all. If you're slapping a three to five right. mile radius around your brick and mortar, you know, if you're in yeah. like Manhattan or San Jose, California or something, you, you may need to do a little bit more detail targeting, but for the other metropolitan areas that might be a little smaller or for most brick and mortar businesses, you can literally Gosh. just put maybe an age range and a gender if that's applicable to your ideal avatar, if that matters. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always, that's why I say that. Um, then you can include those details. But really, I think you can have a ton of success just by finding the right message and putting a three to five mile radius around your facility. And that should be your number one goal as a small business owner still trying to figure out paid ads is 
get the right message and ad working and just make it work with that little radius. And then you can do some finer tuning on that stuff, but it's probably not necessary for a lot of them really low or where they are now. Sometimes you can have the simplest ad and it has the biggest impact. And uh, I think, like you said, some people spending too much time trying to create, you know, some ad that's going to win, I don't know, an Oscar or Emmy or whatever. Or Webby. Or Webby. Like, shout out to you and Webster Bank winning. Was it Webby? A Webby. Webby? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a telly. Oh, a telly. It was a telly, yeah. It was a telly, but there are Webbys. Shame on you. Um, They spend so much time, like, trying to craft a perfect ad where sometimes you could just have some simple text and that hits home and gets them to engage with it. So... You know, that being said, Mike, small businesses, resources are tough. We're trying to compete with the big guys. And, we've, you know, we've got a couple bucks in our pocket. So somebody comes to you and they say, listen, Mike, I got like, I don't know, 500 to $1,000 a month I can spend. What, what should I do? But, and I, and I, need, I, I need to, now I got to choose my words carefully because you, you, just, you just schooled me when you said growth and scaling. So... I want to scale because I want to keep my expenses kind of the same, but have more income coming. So how, what do I do with this 500 to a thousand to scale my, my local small business? I need the money. That's cool. So you, I mean, you start first with growth, right? You got to grow before you scale. So that might be, that's kind of like you talking earlier where like, man, it was just me at the beginning. Same thing. It's just me at the beginning. And then you grow and then you can scale. So it's okay to grow. Like that's not, that's not a bad thing just for anyone listening. Just that might be where you are at the time. So you start, what I think you do in that case is you start by signing up for every advertising platform that's local to you, that's a review site. That's what I do. So I'm going to sign up for Yelp, anything that'll let you, Yelp's a good one too, because I haven't looked recently, um, but they used to give you like a $300 ad credit. Google will usually do the same thing. Facebook, I don't think does, at least they never have with me. So you can get free advertising from a lot of these places if you haven't signed up already. And you should start there and spend someone else's $500 for free learning as much as you can. So with those ads, you're going to do exactly the same type of testing I just said and learn as much as you can. Then you're going to create that perfect ad because what that means is that by the time you have to start doing your real testing, hopefully the platform already paid for some of that. And now you can start growing by the time you start actually running your campaigns. If Mm -hmm. you sign up for all those platforms and you figure out like Facebook's still the one, then you do that testing strategy, just outline and then pour all the rest of the money still on Facebook. Got it. That makes total sense. See, that's why we always encourage you to stay until the very end of the episode for Commerce and Chill because there's always something at the end that you can benefit from. And from based on what Mike's last tip was, if you're new to business or you haven't yet claimed your place and registered with some of these advertising platforms such as Yelp or Google, uh, sign up, get the credit, use the credit to do the testing, and advertise on somebody else. Do you know what that does? Time. It keeps everyone oh there longer, which means what? Google makes more money. That's that's what that's all about, right? So that's that's search right. marketing ads, and search marketing is all about intent. And this is not this is not like my specialty mm-hmm. by any means. So any SEO guys out there, I'm, I'm sure you guys could take this to a whole new level. But when you think about search marketing, whether it's Google or Bing or Yahoo, or not Yahoo, yeah Yahoo, I guess YouTube. I think uh, it's still around. I guess it's still around. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, any of those, right? But but they're not always the ones you think you are. So for example, this podcast is going to air where, right? Like Apple, uh, you guys are probably on Spotify. YouTube. 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 Spotify, those are yep. all search engines. So you got to yeah, know yep. how to how to like optimize for the search engine that you're on. And 
YouTube's one, Apple Podcasts is one, Spotify's one, Google Bing, they're all one. So that's it. You you need to understand what the three three thing three main things here, right? Like what does the platform want? The platform wants to make more money. So they want to put the best things that those people are searching for in front of them. So then there's the person looking for it, which wants to find the best content possible. And there's you, the marketer or business owner. So if you want to succeed through that avenue, create the best stuff, put out the best possible quality because that's, that's what keeps people around longer. And that's what these platforms want to see. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have millions of followers to do this. If it's a social platform, like you want people who want to be there. It's not about size. It's about quality. Yeah. Wow. It, it, like, yeah. I think Google My Business for small businesses is so underutilized. So, so is Yelp, but they both are. Do you know how many businesses yeah. I've worked with that have never even had either of those set up by the time they got to me? That's really sad because like Most. Yelp is free. Google My Business is free. Like yeah. all the free stuff. Listen, I claim those right away. I'm like, oh, I could, I could put all my info for free. And what got me with Yelp is whenever I would search for something on social media, I would always see Yelp show up like the top five barbershops and they would show up like right in the first three searches. I'm like, Yelp is spending all the money or the SEO, whatever they're doing to show up in those results at the top. I'm probably not going to beat them. So you know what? Let me get on them. So when somebody Googles laundry or someone Googles security and that Yelp that says the top 10 in your neighborhood, we show up in that list. Yeah. So. Yeah, super important that we, we claim those free review profiles. Well, it's super important that we thank you, Mike, for the time and the insights that you've shared with us today. You've been tremendous. I've taken a lot of notes from the high five for your marketing strategy to the top three on how to op optimize search marketing. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the time that you shared with us and for our friends in Commerce and Chillland, I want you to know that if you are small, solo, and scrappy, rewatch this episode for a marketing masterclass led by Mike Allen and send him an email so that you can follow up and get the tips that you need to not just grow, but scale the marketing for your small business. Mike, is there anything that you want to add as we close out this episode? Nope. If you guys want to reach me directly, it's just Mike at solosocialmarketing.com. If you just want to check out more of what we do. You can find us on Instagram at soulsocialmarketing.com. If you want to connect with me directly, my Instagram is I am Mike Allen. And thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited that we were able to do this. Mike, it was totally great. And I'm going to just throw out there for everybody, all listeners, make sure you check out Mike's and Madison's podcast, Barbells, Beers, and Benjamins. Benjamins. They actually drink beer also while they're doing the podcast. And I'm super jealous because when I'm listening, I'm in the car most of the time. And I'm like, I can't try the beer that they're talking about right now. But Mike, listen, it's been awesome. I was so great we were able to make this happen. You know, everybody doesn't know. I just DM Mike one random, I think it was a weekend or a late at night. And I was like, Mike, you got to get on Commerce and chill. Like, when are you available? Can you do next Wednesday or whatever? And it was just awesome. So I, I really appreciate you making the time and, and sharing this this advice um, and your expertise. Um, listen, and, and we will definitely got to do something else because it, it's a lot more stuff that we could give the small business community for them to grow and impact their bottom line. Exactly. Yeah, I'd love to do more with you guys again. So excited that we we're able to do this. And let me know if there's any follow-up questions or anything like that. Oh, right. totally. I'm sure there'll be tons of them. So that was the man, the myth, the myth, the legend, Mike Allen. I am Jessica Johnson Co. I'm Wally. This has been another episode of Commerce and Chill. See you soon. Yeah.